is Lauren Baker, and welcome to the Kitchen Confidant Podcast. Today, we're chatting with Beth Lee of the food blog OMG Yummy and author of the newly released The Essential Jewish Baking Cookbook, 50 Traditional Recipes for Every Occasion. Based in the San Francisco Bay Area, Beth has been sharing delicious recipes since 2010, calling on memories from her Bubby's New York kitchen. I am so excited to welcome Beth to the podcast. Hey, Beth. Hi, Lyran. I am so excited to be here. Uh, and it's exciting to talk to somebody who's been uh, blogging for as long or longer than I have. So there maybe aren't so many originals like us around, but um, it's great to be here today. Thanks for having me. It is so good to see you. Yeah. It's so funny when I, when I start introducing people, I'm like, oh, 2010, like that was because that was the year I started too. And it just, it was like a different landscape back then. And such a great one. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's what it's why I got hooked into the food business because I just started my blog on a whim, but then I went to a food blogging conference. I think it was Blogger Food in San Francisco. And I don't know if you were there, but I met all kinds of wonderful people, including Dory Greenspan and and a lot a lot of local to California people. And I was so hooked. Like I loved the people I met. I loved the sessions I went to and I loved that I was finally allowing myself to write about my passion. I, I was just hooked. It was a great, it was a really great time and it it just reeled me right in. Yeah, I wasn't at the blog her San Francisco. I remember Food Buzz being my first real food blogging conference. And that was definitely the same type of eye-opening, like it just drew you in, like you got sucked in. <laughs> you drank yeah. the Kool-Aid. Yep. Yep, I totally did. Okay, so I always start by asking, what was the very first thing that you remember cooking? And about how old were you? So there may have been something before this, but the real first thing that I truly, truly remember cooking, like that has had an impact in, and I really remember it being something I did and probably did alone, was banana chocolate chip loaf in middle school summer school, now I'm going to really age myself here, home economics class, because they still had home ec. I know a lot of people listening maybe will never have heard of such a thing, but I had to take home economics. I chose to take it in summer school, and I found a recipe uh, in the newspaper, I think, uh, called banana chocolate chip loaf, you know, and it's such a basic thing, but Wow, uh, that was a revelation for me, making a quick bread, putting bananas and chocolate together. And I still make that recipe to this day. It's a favorite of the families. Uh, it's on my blog. Uh, I just love it. So that's really um, that's really my first strong memory of cooking on my own in my, you know, my family's kitchen. I love that you got to take home ec because that was not offered when I went to high school. But now my kids. I know in middle school, they offer, they don't call it home ec anymore. They call it living skills. Uh, (laughs) But thanks to living skills, I had some really delicious Mother's Day mornings. (laughs) Right, right. And I mean, I think it's, it's actually, uh, I'm glad they've they've named it something else. And I'm glad it's no longer just for like women or girls mm-hmm. and the guy, you know, the guys took shop and the girls took home at right. And I know that's not the case anymore. And I think learning to cook 
at any level, um, even if it's just the bare bones to, to get sustenance down is just such an important skill. Um, and other things that go along with that. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And I, I guess my daughter had something like that in middle school. I forget what they called it. And I don't think it was required, but it, it was more along the lines of living skills for sure. Well, that's yeah. good too. <laughs> yeah, my daughter took it. My son did not, but that's okay. Uh, they still learned a little bit. <laughs> Either way. Um, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and what life looked like before OMG Yummy? Sure. So uh, I actually uh, I always tell people that um, it was in 2010 that I did start my blog. And I started it because I realized that computer chips were not as exciting for me as pita chips. So my <laughs> previous job was in high tech in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, very, uh, um, you know, cliche, I guess, since I'm in the Bay Area. Uh, but I had I was in uh, marketing and communications, working on the um, client side, on the agency side, and then starting my own business um, consulting and all the while trying to raise two kids and, you know, uh, commute and all the things that happen in crazy Silicon Valley. So that's um, from the like career side of it. That was me. And um, before that, so I was born in um, on the East Coast. I was an East Coast girl, but at uh, 11 years old, the whole family, were, my family was like the black sheep of the family. And we picked up and moved West and came to California. And I've been here ever since. Oh, yeah. so we're in the East Coast because I grew up in New York. Oh, okay. So uh, I was born and raised in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Um, some people will, I've, I've been surprised how many people know that little town, but a lot of people know the Berkshires, which is mm -hmm. Western Massachusetts. And Pittsfield was called the heart of the Berkshires. Um, and, uh, but I spent a lot of time in New York. So I have still have, but had a ton of family in New York City, in Brooklyn, specifically in New Jersey. And there's, of course, been that whole East Coast migration of a lot of that family to Southern California. Mm. Um, so, I mean, Southern California to, to Florida. Sorry, oh, right. excuse me, to Florida. Uh, so I still I call that Southern of, New York. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, Southern New York. Um, <laughs> so and there's still a lot of family there on my side. But uh, uh, my immediate family, all three of my brothers, and my parents, God bless them, that are still alive at 91 wow. and almost 94, uh, are all in the West Coast, Northern California and Southern California. Oh, how nice. So you managed to convince a few people to come out. <laughs> yeah, well, and we get, a, we get a lot of people that come and visit, but I have to say, um, you know, that, that part of my side of the family um, that comes from, you know, my Bubby's side, they are pretty hardcore East Coasters. They come out here and visit. They absolutely love it. Um, but they're pretty hardcore East Coasters. Yeah. I know the type. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what part of New York were you from? I know I'm not supposed to ask the questions. You but can. Um, I grew up in Whitestone, which is in Queens. So oh, wow. you know where the Whitestone Bridge is if you're yeah. driving down? Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I was for New York, right? In the yeah, heart of it. Yeah. In the heart of it. Yeah. So it's funny. Like my kids are like, how come you don't have an accent? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it tends to fade a little bit. 
people people don't yeah. really recognize my, my I didn't really have a Boston accent. I no. had a Western Mass accent. It comes out every now and then, but it's pretty much gone. Yeah, we tease my husband because he grew up well, high school years in New Jersey, and I swear it comes out. We we tease him about it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, what was the inspiration between OMG Yummy? Is there a name why you pick? Is there a reason why you picked the name too? That's a great question. So, I always tell people totally honestly that despite my background in marketing, uh, when I started the blog, there was very little planning involved. It was sort of a Sunday afternoon in the family room, sitting around, a couple things that that we'd experienced as a family together that kind of got us there. And my son said, why don't you start a blog, mom? Just start writing about food. You love food. I had been having a little bit of a break in my career at that time and focusing on the family and was kind of ready to get back into it. And he just said, why don't you start a blog? And we kind of noticed and, and laughed about the fact that people often said, not only ourselves, but other people, they'd put something in their mouth and go, oh my God, it's so good. Or, oh my God, yummy. And, you know, and so we kind of sat there, looked it up on Google. It was available. The URL was available. And I'm kind of an eclectic cook and eater. So it didn't initially seem to me that I was going to be focusing on one particular kind of food. So... Um, that's kind of how it came about. We uh, we looked it up. The URL was available. We thought it was really fun. Then people started saying, oh, what a fun name. What a fun name. And there you have it. That's kind of how it came about. Um, it, I mean, it was sort of, I guess you could use the word organic. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. I, it makes sense. And I think it's really fun. Do you go by OMG yummy or oh my God, yummy? Either one, uh, you know, uh, either one, um, I guess it depends on the situation, right? Because sometimes you want to say OMG yummy, so you can say omgyummy.com, which is the URL. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, people would, you know, I mean, we saw it all the time. People would be, including ourselves, eating something that just like blows your mind with the taste and they'd go, oh my God, yummy, <laughs> so yummy. And that's kind of how I am about food. Food makes me really excited, like, like, maybe too excited sometimes, but I, I'm, I'm inspired by food. I love learning new things about food. And so that whole idea, the excitement of it, the exclamation point, that is how I, how I am about food. And that's what I like to share with people. I, I like to find people's food stories or find their interest or love about food and, and bring that out hopefully, or get them to actually cook. If they aren't cooking, get them in the kitchen, get them sitting around a table. That makes me happy. So I love that part of the name that it's, it's got, you know, like excitement in it. Yeah, no. And you feel it too, when you read your, your stories and you talk a lot about your bubby and there's a sweet, sweet photo of the two of you on your site. Oh, and on your Instagram too. I noticed you have it yes, up there. Yes. Um, can you tell us more about her? Cause she sounds huggable and someone you just want to hang out with. Yeah, she was, um, you know, she was really the matriarch of the family on my mother's side for a long time. And I feel like my mother always really just absolutely adored her. And I used to, we used to go visit, 
Um, she lost her husband, my mom's dad, before I was even born. So she mm -hmm. was on her own for a long time. So I only ever knew her as we called her. She was Annie, Grandma, Grandma Reich, Bubby. Um, and she was just you know, I loved her smile. I loved her hands. I think I kind of have her hands, um, kind of short squat fingers. Um, you know, we'll call them workman's hands, you know, <laughs> we're a worker person's hand, but her hands were like, you know, thick and soft. And I can see them like, you know, um, uh, kneading the challah by hand. And I see my mother, she used to sit there and like hold my grandma's hand or rubber arm. And, um, she was, uh, you know, this prolific baker that my mother still tells me the stories of. I unfortunately wasn't around during probably the most prolific time of her baking, but she baked challah for us when we came. She lived in this tiny apartment in Brooklyn. We used to like come up on a Friday, drive up from Pittsfield, and Friday night to Saturday night is Shabbat, um, Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath. And mm -hmm. she was very... Um, uh, orthodox, very traditional to, um, you know, the kosher rules and the, the religious rules of being Jewish. And so we'd show up, she'd have everything set up and done because once sundown came, we didn't, she didn't work anymore. You know, she couldn't even turn on a, a switch, a light switch. So the lights would be on, the stove fire would be on low, but there'd be challah on the table. And I, you know, I could be wrong about her age, but I think she kept baking into her early 90s. It was amazing. Wow. Um, so that's, those are like the, the most vivid memories. Um, that picture of her with me and her arms around me, like that makes me super happy. There's a picture of her holding my niece, who was lucky enough to be born while my grandmother, my bubby was still alive. And my grandmother has a huge smile on her face holding my niece. And that's, um, such, those are kind of those precious memories. Um, yeah, just, I don't know what else to tell you. I could talk about her all day, but she just, to me had that quintessential grandma look, um, mm -hmm. that from the hands to the thick glasses on her eyes and her hair and what she wore and what she fed us, which for the most part was super simple, but, that challah had a lasting impression on me. Challah is is egg bread, traditional Jewish egg bread. So delicious. Actually, that's the perfect segue because I wanted to talk about challah anyway next. And you have a recipe for an easy version um, that has like a citrus flavor. But And what I love about your recipe that you share is that you also take, I'm sure, inspiration from your bubby, but like you also have other little tidbits that you've kind of gathered along the way, like from, I believe, like the zest and the sugar that I think you learned from Dory and the flavors that, you know, you kind of explored and you mentioned the flavor Bible. So can you tell us more about that version? Right. The one that's on my blog. So that came uh, originally, I was so lucky. Um, my friend, uh, Dana Schrager, who uh, has a blog called Foodies, Foodie Goes Healthy and is now running this in incredibly wonderful Facebook group called Jewish Holiday Cooking. Mm -hmm. She hosted, she she met Joan Nathan. Joan, Joan Nathan is like one of the doyens of Jewish cooking. And she met Joan and managed to arrange to have a cooking class at um, at her at her home and invited me to the class. And I ended up becoming a um, like one of the assistants. And that was such a great experience. Um, and that 
general challah recipe is something that Joan learned when she was uh, writing one of her cookbooks, Quiches, Kugels, and Couscous. It was this French version of challah um, called Pan Patrie, I think. And um, so we made it that day at the class, and I was so amazed. I, like, that's one of the days that influenced me. I learned so much about, learned a, a six six strand braid that day. Um, I learned about using anise in the challah, which normally I would have like rolled my eyes. Oh no, mm -hmm. I don't like the flavor of it, but magical when it goes into the challah, it tastes totally different. Um, she taught me about making those beautiful little like decorations on the outside of the challah. Um, and I was so inspired by that, that whole experience, um, especially the challah because it was made so quickly. Hmm. So we we started it at the beginning of class, didn't let it rest like normally you let it rest for like two two hours and then do it you know need it again let it rest again we just we just you know made the dough uh, let it rest for like a few minutes while we did a couple other things braided it put it in the oven made the rest of the stuff for the class and it was ready and it was fantastic so yes that totally influenced me. Um, uh, and then I took that idea and just changed the, you know, added the orange and added my own spin on, you know, what to decorate it with and how to make it. And that's where that recipe came from. I, it's amazing to me, whether it's the amount of um, yeast you use or whatever, but that you can get a challah on the table that quickly uh, is, you know, just, I love that. And you, you brought up Dory. Dory does um, something where she mixes her zest into the sugar. Mm -hmm. And I think I incorporated that into this recipe because sometimes when you put zest in a recipe and you just throw it in the bowl, it can kind of clump up and not spread around. And I learned from Dory, if you mix it in with your fingers into the sugar and then put the sugar in, um, you get, you know, it may, you make sure the zest really incorporates throughout the flavor of the dough or the cookie dough, the bread dough, the cookie dough, the cake dough, whatever you're making. So yeah, I try to pick up those things and then incorporate them into my own recipes and share that wisdom uh, with people. Thank you for noticing that. Oh yeah. Well, it's beautiful. I want to make it. And well, uh, we have to talk about, well, you have a lot of tips on your site too, but like in your book, in your new book, you offer a lot of tips as well. So I'm so excited because this just was released as we're recording yesterday, right? Right, right. So August congratulations. And thank you. Thank tell you. us all about it because um, I just, there's just so much goodness in here. I just want to bake all weekend now. Well, so where to start? Um, so the book is called, as you said earlier, The Essential Jewish Baking Cookbook, 50 Traditional Recipes for Every Occasion. And I had so much fun writing this book. And what I love about it is it's really for whether you're a beginner baker um, or an advanced baker, um, anything in between, I feel like the recipes in this book are really for you. Uh, whether you're coming to Judaism, maybe you've uh, converted, maybe you've, you've married or have a close friend who's Jewish, but you're not, you want to learn the traditions, um, this, is, this book is for you. Um, if you love to learn the stories behind recipes, which I do, uh, this book is really wonderful. Uh, and I learned so much because we really, my background is Ashkenazi. 
mm-hmm. uh, which means that my family is originally from Eastern Europe. But there are Jews from all over the world, and there are Sephardic Jews, which uh, usually come from the Spanish, uh, Spain, Greece, that region. There's Mizrahi Jews, which have a background in the Middle East or maybe even the Asian region. And we really tried to cover recipes from all of those backgrounds. So you could find, you know, something your Bubby might have made, but maybe what your Bubby made isn't what my Bubby made. So, um, so it has, you know, really traditional recipes. And, and with my, I wouldn't say modern twists, but modern, maybe modern directions, maybe the use of tools that perhaps Bubby didn't have. So maybe you can make your bread with a stand mixer and not knead it by hand. Um, but it's still going to be that the result of it hopefully will bring back memories of your childhood or give you a chance to create your own memories. Uh, that's, you know, or new traditions. Uh, I feel like that's so, that's been really important to me in my family to, to pass down, you know, uh, my what my my grandmother did uh it kind of skipped a generation in in our family and i've kind of taken it upon myself in a in a positive way that i didn't want to be the end of the line of the traditions the food traditions especially of our family i want them to live on i feel and i want my my daughter to be able to you know carry those on with her family if that's something she wants to do i i don't want them to disappear Yeah. And you dedicate the book to her. I love what you wrote to my dear Bubby, a brilliant baker who never wrote down a recipe. May this book bring her baking back to life. That really is, I'm getting all teary. (laughs) Well, and I I will say there is a little bit of a double meaning there. Um, Like a lot of people in that generation and even before didn't write down recipes, but I will share that my grandmother really couldn't write. Like she came from Poland and didn't really have like a proper, I think, education before she came here. And then by the time she came, she, I think she was already married and, and then started raising a family. So, you know, she was a really intelligent, um, bright woman, but she, she really, even if she wanted to write her recipes down, she wouldn't have been able to. So, Mm. um, yeah, I really like I she but honestly, I don't know if she would have. Like mm-hmm. you probably you may have the same experience a lot of people have that that you know, recipes weren't always written down and when they are, I really try to encourage people save them, take a picture of them, digitize them, type them out, save those recipes cuz even if you're not cooking them now, someday they'll matter to you. You may not realize it, but if you have them, if you pick up an old cookbook and, you know, Auntie May's, you know, recipe card falls out, save that card. Take a picture of that card. Now we can digitize, right? Yeah. Um, There are no excuses now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that that, um, writing that was really special for me. I was really happy when those words came out. I was like, yeah, this is... This is what this is what I need to say at the beginning of the book. She would be so proud that all her recipes live through you and and forever now that you've right. got this book. So that's super super special. And I know what you mean about really cherishing those handwritten recipes because they are so rare. And that's part of the reason why I started my book too. It's just to preserve that. So hopefully someday someone can cook from it. 
Yeah, definitely. And no, and it's, I think it's, um, you know, I, I, I knew early on, I write about it in the book that like her hollow recipe, I tried to write it down in the fashion that you could at that time, but I didn't know as deeply as like a, at when I was like 10 years old and I had this inkling, oh, I want to watch her make this. I want to make sure that I can do this someday. But I didn't know then what I know now that it's so important to me personally, but it's so important to other people. I, I am in these large um, groups on Facebook for, about Jewish cooking or specific like Sephardic Jewish cooking or Jewish holiday cooking. And people will post, oh, I can't find my grandmother's recipe or my mother's recipe for some X, Y, Z, you know, like a kugel or, or, or a, a bis, you know, um, biscochos, which is a Sephardic dish, some, something, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You'll see people like, respond, you can almost tell some of them are almost in tears, like, oh my gosh, you know, I want the same thing, or here's my mother's recipe, or here's my recipe. And sometimes there'll be hundreds of answers. Like you can see how important these traditional recipes, these like, um, I have to call them like flavor memories, you know, from our past, they're so important to people. And the more, I guess the older you get, and maybe the more people you lose in your life, like, I guess it just really becomes more obvious to you that those flavor memories or actual, you know, memories of, of events or whatever it was that you associate, they're, they're really important. Yeah. Save those recipes, find those recipes, save those recipes, write them down. Someday they, they will matter to you. I couldn't agree more. Um, Do you have a favorite section in the book? Because it all looks really good. I don't know how you pick a favorite. <laughs> well, you know, I've thought about that question, you know, and it's a little bit like asking if you have a favorite child, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so unfair. <laughs> but I will say uh, I loved writing the the intro. I love talking about my experience and then like kind of giving perspective to people on why this book will be something, you know, who it's for and, and, you know, why you should, you should, you know, bake and, and all of those things. But if I have to pick a chapter with recipes in it, you know, there is something about the breads chapter, the challah, babka and breads, which mm-hmm. um, it was the, happened to be the first chapter I worked on, but it really stretched my confidence um, in baking and my experience set in baking and I was probably the most, you know, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I was like, wow, you know, I'm going to make bagels? Like, okay. <laughs> and doing it all was so satisfying and wonderful. The research I did, the testing, the testing my testers did, I had everything in the book tested. It was so gratifying. There's something about bread and not just because we all became bread crazy during the pandemic, mm-hmm. but there's something, whether it's something sweet like a babka or um, like the rye bread, um, there's something so wonderful about a, the smell of fresh bread coming out of the oven and what you can do with that bread. You know, whether you just rip a piece off and eat it or create a sandwich out of it, what whatever it is. Um, I mean, if you, you're forcing me to choose, I got to say challah and breads and also because of the challah. I mean, 
that was, you know, my chance to share what the best I could, what my Bubby's recipe was. I mean, you'd laugh if I, I should have brought it, I could have shown you, but nobody listening would be able to see it anyways. But if you saw what I have written down from like when I was 10 years old, watching her make the challah, you'd totally laugh. Aww. I mean, she didn't measure anything. She, the only thing I had a real measurement for was that she used those, you know, they, you don't see them often, but there's like two pound, I think it's two pound um, bags of flour that you can buy. Rarely it's, is it two pounds, but you occasionally see them. That's what she started with. So mm -hmm. I knew that what the measurement of the flour was, but she would take like a glass from her shelf, not a measuring glass, right. I'm talking a glass, like just a random glass. And she'd say half a glass of water. And, and there I was like writing, you know, drawing the picture of the glass and really learning like what good was that? Because without a measurement of the glass, like I didn't, I didn't say the glass was three inches tall and the water went one and a half inches high. I literally drew the glass and I put like a half, you know, a line at the halfway point. So anyhow, it was really special <laughs> for me to try to take what I now know about various challah recipes those crazy notes that my mom and I made so long ago and really try to make her holla. And so that is another reason that chapter is really special to me, but there's oh. more I could go on. I, there's <laughs> other little special things from other chapters, but if you're asking me to pick, that's my choice. I think that's a really good choice. I know what you mean about just grabbing a random cup from the cupboard and using that as the measuring cup. Like I remember my aunt using like, a can like from a can of like tomatoes that she just opened and using that to measure and I'm like oh my gosh like you write down half a can <laughs> yeah yeah and and you know at least with a can maybe there's some yeah something like we there was a thread in a group the other day I I had to laugh so loud somebody said there so there's something in the Jewish religion called a yard site candle and so when you're remembering somebody who's passed on either the eve of their passing and a couple other important days, you light this candle and it's supposed to burn for 24 hours. But, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of Jewish grandmothers and aunties I knew were very, you know, uh, they didn't waste anything. So when you were done burning this, the, the candle was all gone from the glass and, and people would save that glass. Like I forgot this, but so this woman posted, she goes, anyone else's grandmother used to use a yard site glass to measure when they baked. Oh, and wow. I started thinking about that <laughs> and I thought, hmm, yeah, that was probably one of the glasses she used. Uh, oh, that's so funny. Right. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. She was reusing, recycling. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> right. No waste. No waste. Okay. We're running low on time and I know that time is precious, but I just have one quick question before I hit some closing questions. What does Rosh Hashanah look like at your house? So pre-pandemic, uh, Rosh Hashanah looks really, um, there's a big crowd. It's big celebration. You know, we're celebrating the beginning of the Jewish New Year, which runs on the lunar calendar. So it's crazy. It can be as early as it is this year on Labor Day, all mm -hmm. the way to being at the end of September. But I kind of, amongst our friends and family, I kind of became the Rosh Hashanah hostess. Uh, the host and hostess, my husband and I and, and the kids. And I love having a huge group of people over. And 
Uh, I make the majority of like the main courses and challah and whatever I feel like making that year. But I ask everybody to bring something, not just because it helps when you have like 25 to 40 people, but I love seeing what people bring. I tell them to bring what's meaning, either meaningful to them, what, what they love, what's traditional, whatever they are excited about. So there's usually a really big crowd, a lot of great food, um, a lot of conversation and happiness and celebration. And um, it's one of my favorite things. It was really hard to not do that last year. And it's really looking questionable this year. Um, but but it's a big celebration. And it's it's a really special part of our lives. I can just imagine how delicious everything is on your table. When you do yeah, those. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, known, I'm known for my brisket. My mother used to be known for her brisket. Uh, she kind of passed the torch when she got older and said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. And since then, I now know how to make her brisket three ways in the instant pot, slow cooker, or br- r- traditionally braised. And then I have a bunch of other recipes on my blog for other briskets. So I'm known for my brisket. And then I usually do some kind of big chicken dish and and also make sure there's stuff for people who are vegetarian too. So mm. it's pretty, it's a pretty yummy spread and it, it, I can't lie. You're making it's, my stomach grumble right now. <laughs> it's a good time and it's pretty delicious. Yum. Okay. Some closing questions before yeah. we go. What's something that you like to make when you're too tired to cook or you're just in a rush and you need a quick, easy dinner? So, um, one of the things we've been doing a lot lately since we got an instant pot and even my husband will do this by the way he's a great cook but i call him dormant chef because he really (laughs) doesn't cook that often um but even he'll make this so we'll take frozen chicken thighs we always have some chicken in the almost always have chicken in the freezer we'll take if we a frozen chicken thighs, put the frozen block of thighs in the Instant Pot. We usually keep a bottle of soy vey around, which is like kind of a teriyaki-ish kind of sauce, but it's not too sweet and it doesn't have any ingredients that make my eyes go cross-eyed in them. And <laughs> they even have a low sodium version now I really like. So we put some of that in. We put in some sake, some rice wine, and then something spicy, either just as simple as cayenne or something like togarashi, which is a Japanese spice blend. We just put all that in. We close up the Instant Pot 16 minutes, open it up in that 16 minutes or a little longer. It has to come up to thing, up to pressure. Um, right. We cut up some vegetables, throw the vegetables in for like one more minute. And then meanwhile, while all that was happening, we make a pot of rice. And oh. that is, it really couldn't be simpler. Use, if we have enough chicken, it might be enough for even two days worth. And there you have it. Couldn't be yeah. easier. I have to try that. Oh, and leftovers too. And something we didn't talk about was how you also have a lot of Hawaiian and Korean recipes um, on your blog because of your family. Yes, yes. So my husband is of Hawaiian and Korean descent. Well, Korean descent, born in the United States, but his family, his parents were born and raised in Hawaii. We still have, he has still family there. Um, but his grandparents came from Korea. So we feel really at home in Hawaii. Um, and I did manage to grab the Hawaiian family's um, 
recipes, the ones that we could find. We took pictures of them in, and I think, a trip in 2016. And now I'm starting to remake those recipes, making maybe some, you know, modern changes, like taking the MSG out of them, for example. But Mm -hmm. like I have the the, uh, recipe for the Korean short ribs, the kalbi on my blog now, and super popular. Um, Love that. And I um, really try to, am trying to share more and more of that side of our family, like uh, Portuguese sausage, rice, and eggs Mm. is a big Hawaiian tradition. And um, that's a really popular post on my blog. And we, we eat that all the time. Um, Love it. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It's a super, super important part of our family's traditions. And I'm trying to share more and more of that on the blog. Oh, yum. So much good food at your house. What's the one recipe that you treasure the most? Um, wow. Uh, it's, it's, can I give a wimpy answer? And it's gonna, I'm gonna say it's probably a toss up between really figuring out my grandmother's challah recipe, really carrying on the tradition of my mom's brisket recipe, and that call B. Like those things kind of, I feel like they tie together my immediate family and my extended family. And, you know, they're simple. They're not, they're not like, like I can cook almost anything. We've spent years in a gourmet club doing fancy stuff and, and I can appreciate that and create it, whatever, but the simple things, you know, making that loaf of bread, Um, making that brisket that just makes everybody remember so many gatherings and things from their childhood or being able to make what my husband's, like I have a picture in that Colby recipe of his grandmother, like kneeling on the beach, making Colby for like 20 people on a tiny hibachi. Hmm. So to pass that on to other people and my own family is super meaningful to me. So I'm, I'm being giving you the wimpy answer and, and telling you three things. Sorry. I think that's the perfect answer, to be honest with you. It's, I think that just sums you up with a bow on top. So it's perfect. Are you a messy cook or a neat cook? I'm a pretty neat cook. Um, I, I am not... I would not put me on like the like a scale of one to ten. I would put me at like eight or nine because maybe it depends on the situation. But I really feel like neat, neat if neat because it's too complicated. Like when you're trying to cook a lot of things, either because of the blog or when you're preparing for like a big gathering, you know, I need to like clear the space know I've got everything organized, you know, mise en place, have everything in its place and, and then be done with that and move on to the next thing. Uh, I'm not a perfectionist about it. There are times when, you know, you kind of either you have other people in the kitchen, like right before, sometimes people bring things for Rosh Hashanah and have to finish them in the kitchen. And, you know, it just is going to be messy and it (laughs) is what it is. And that's part of the beauty of it. Uh, But in general, I try to be a neat cook. I can see that. Okay. So um, every Friday, I like to share five little things, something that made me smile or or think during the week. Is there something that made you happy or smile this week? Um, 
Well, one thing that made me smile was to see that the uh, Netflix series High on the Hog has been renewed for a second season. Oh, good. That Stephen Satterfield series that traces the roots of African-American cooking is going to be back for a second season. So that I saw that this morning and that made me really happy. Um, And uh, the other thing that made me happy is a little more personal, but um, one of the people I know online that uh, helped test for the cookbook, and she wrote something that said this th- that the book really honors the bakers of the past and welcomes new bakers of the future. Oh, that's so nice. And that, it, I'm going to cry, but <laughs> I'm not crying. It made me so happy, and I felt like, wow, that's like a the best. Like I've been, you know, my publisher wrote sound bites, and I've, you know, tried to share sound bites that say what the book is about. But I was like, wow, um, that's really what I meant it to be—to honor those who came before us, those who are here now, and those who want to join and create traditions of the future. And that, so that made me smile too. Even though I just gave a little tear, that made me smile too. <laughs> Happy tears are good too. What an honor to receive that compliment. I can't I can't think of anything better. That's so nice. Yeah, it was really, it was like a great way to start the day. So yeah, that mm. was special. Well, Beth, where can people find you and your book and all the good stuff? Yeah, so you can find me. Um, at omgyummy.com. So on my blog, I'm also omgyummy uh, on Instagram. On you can find my Facebook page, omgyummy. Uh, on Pinterest, I'm omgyummy. On Twitter, I'm omgyummy. You can find the book, um, you know, on Amazon. You can find it on bookshop.org. Hopefully, in bookshops, you know, local bookshops near you. I hope to see it there too. Um, and another one of my loves is Middle Eastern cuisines and ingredients. So I do run a virtual cooking group called Tasting Jerusalem with my lifelong friend, Serene Wallace. And so you can also find us in that on that page on Facebook, Tasting Jerusalem, or in our group, um, our interactive group, Taste the Tasting Jerusalem cooking community. So if you want to learn more about Middle Eastern cuisine and ingredients, you can come find me there or you'll find it on my blog, and then there'll be all the links to click over to it. So that's something you love. I love that too. Come and talk to me about it. OMG Yummy is is what I am in on most, uh, most platforms. And I love hearing from people. I love questions. I love, you know, anything. I'll talk about food anytime. So come and, come and say hi. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I loved seeing your face because I haven't seen you in a while and I'm getting the chance to just talk to you. It was so nice. Yeah, it was great, Lauren. Thanks again for having me on. I really, really enjoyed this opportunity to chat about food with you. It was fantastic. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad you were able to join us on this episode of Kitchen Confidant. Thank you again to Beth Lee for joining us today. I just love how she preserves her family's recipes and shares these treasures with all of us through her blog and now her book. I hope you get a chance to bake challah and more and continue her family's legacy with yours. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate it and share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.